CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is securing the global supply chain, and our guests for today's show uh, are Richard Sharp, who is actually an expert and instructor on supply chain risk and risk mitigation, and is also the founding member of the American Logistics Aid Network, known as ALAN, a non-for-profit association focused on serving in times of national crisis. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I am doing very well. So life treating you good? You enjoying the fall weather shaping up here? Very much so. It's certainly enjoyable and a nice change from the heat of the summer. Great. And we also have Dan Burgess, who is the Director of Intelligence for Freight Watch International and is also the author of Cargo Theft, Loss Prevention and Supply Chain Security. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. All right, good. So, uh, you know, the, the topic here, uh, of course, we speak about security and, and just uh, to let all the listeners know, this is Cyber October month. So we talk about security and we wanted to pick this topic because supply chain, while it keeps humming in the background, you keep getting what you need to get as a product or uh, solutions or packages. But then there's a lot goes behind the scene. And as we're talking about security of the supply chain, if that's disrupted, we cannot even imagine what's going to happen to our daily lives. So with that said, the first question I'll have for you, Rich, uh, is what is truly the security requirement and expectation that we should have for supply chain to work? And what exactly is, you know, the scope which we are trying to determine and safeguarding against when it comes to security? Well, that's a great question. Um, First, uh, for the audience's benefit, just to build on what you said, I'd like to offer that Every product that we use from uh, baby food to caskets has a supply chain. And supply chains are global, and they're increasingly more complex just by the nature of manufacturing being extended into different parts of the world and the emerging global markets that companies are trying to capitalize on. So with that backdrop, uh, the, the issue of securing the supply chain focuses on three areas of potential disruption geopolitical or man-made events that actually occur with regard to not allowing the supply chain to operate the way it is intended to. A very good example of that is the current negotiations going on uh, for the activities around ports um, and the potential disruption of a union strike. A second area that has to be focused on for security is the commercial aspects of risk which are any aspect associated with the commerce of the supply chain. And the third is the area that most people do focus on thinking about supply chain security and disruptions, and that is the physical risk. So currently things like the floods in Thailand or the tsunami in Japan uh, certainly cause significant disruptions to supply chains. 
So, Dan, in your world, as you as you are watching the world and you've written a book also on this subject, where do you feel across the world the common denominator exists when it comes to supply chain security? What are the most pressing issues when it comes to this? Right. So looking at supply chain security really through two two different lenses that companies you know deal with on essentially a daily basis in the efforts that they're going um, they're going to is first of all looking at theft in the supply chain. Uh, that, that's really one that is probably the least reported or least known about uh, with regards to security in the supply chain. It's just you know cargo being stolen in transit, being stolen out of warehouses, et cetera. Uh, and while these incidents may seem you know, small in and of themselves, uh, the downstream impacts on the company can really be exponential. Uh, and, and a lot of a lot of people just don't really understand all those downstream impacts. Um, the second one is with regards to scope of supply chain security, obviously, is um, the goal to prevent the supply chain from being used for illicit purposes. And that's really kind of where you know things came around after September 11th, et cetera. In terms of you know, no one wants you know their supply chain to be used as a as an avenue for you know drug smuggling, weapon smuggling, um, terrorism, et cetera. Now, what you what both both of you just mentioned, do you think this is something which is even a tameable beast? Rich, do you think we are just going to play catch up forever? Because frankly, things are morphing; they're getting more complex. And organizations, while they have profit motivation and they want to safeguard their interests, but don't don't you feel that this is almost a helpless situation when it comes to security? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, we are actually at the uh, today at the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, which is the largest supply chain professional organization in the world, and we just finished an eight-hour workshop, all focused around mitigating supply chain operating risks. The, the number one fallacy that companies can uh, fall into is the thought process that the uh, issues are so pervasive and the, the opportunities for supply chains to break or become unsecure are so enormous, it's just impossible to do anything about it. And that's absolutely not true. Uh, with the technology and knowing that a lot of our audience is focused on technology, with the technology that we have today, especially with cloud computing, there are many opportunities to identify very proactive uh, efforts to be able to either mitigate the risk completely or to minimize the financial consequences if, in fact, the risk actually occurs. So uh, the whole key to the process is to be proactive, to involve cross-functional participation with your company, and then to be able to use the technology that you use to run the operation uh, and repurpose the information from that to identify risk, to mitigate risk by developing mitigation strategies, and then to actually measure risk as it relates to the operation for the company. Now, what you just said, uh, Rich, brings, of course, a lot of confidence. However, Dan, I'd like to ask you this. How many of the, the organizations actually share this sentiment with people like Rich who can see a clear picture from the outside, but these people may be too deep into handling supply chain and its related risks that they feel that they're always playing catch up? Um, well, I think one of the things that Rich said really, you know, you know, struck a chord, and it's and it's the, the term they use was effort. Um, it, it is a huge effort to take 
you know, a large company with a global supply chain and really get into the, the different facets, the different vendors, everyone who's touching the cargo or has some sort of responsibility for for the product that's just moving across the globe. Um, it, it's very easy to sit back and say, okay, you know, we've vetted this vendor. We know they meet our requirements. What, let's let them, you know, handle our cargo or whatever, you know, role they're playing. Um, and, and never, never go visit them. You know, never go out there and, and actually see, you know, their operation and see what they're doing. And more importantly, ensure that whatever policies and procedures you have are actually being followed. Um, you know, I think it's very, very easy to, to sit back and say, okay, we've given the policy. You know, they, they said they're following it. Everything's great. And, and that may very well be true. Uh, but unless you go to, you know, go that extra effort, go that extra mile to, to meet with the different uh, business partners that you have to meet with the different uh, divisions within your company, ensure that everyone's on the same page. You know, then one, you know, it's very much a, you know, a trust but verify. You're, you're you're trusting that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but you got to get out there and verify. And it, and it can really be a substantial effort. I think sometimes that scope can be overwhelming uh, to people in the industry, but you know, just like with anything else, you know, one step at a time and and taking that time to, to go do it. Um, you know, get on the ground, see how it's being done, and then make all then alter your supply chain policies based on what you see when you're out there. Uh, just gonna have uh, substantial ramifications in the long run of making your supply chain very efficient and at the same time very secure. I, I, Rich, I totally agree yeah. with Dan. That is absolutely correct. Now, Rich, what Dan just mentioned, I mean, there there could be two extremes. There could be folks who might be thinking that they could sit on a recliner, create a policy, and be done. But then, of course, that's not going to provide the right end benefit. And, of course, organizations who employ uh, these these individuals as employees and or consultants would, of course, not agree to that that approach to handling supply chain. On the other hand, how much of this effort is enough for us to say we did the best we could to mitigate and prevent, proactively prevent supply chain risks? Well, it's a great question. And I think uh, to Dan's point, I'd just like to emphasize the way that uh, a company can be most successful in thinking about the resources required to do the effort that Dan mentioned, you know, the visits, uh, the internal processes, and that is the financial losses that can be incurred by disruption. And just this last year, as we all know, we saw the floods in Thailand. Western Digital experienced a $275 million loss. Uh, the tsunamis, Toyota, was $880 million. These are very substantial numbers. So you have to look at what the consequences of the disruption can could be to your operation. And basically that goes exactly to your point, which is, how does one start to prioritize? You can't boil the ocean. What you have to do is go after the risks that are going to be significant or have a significant financial consequence, a market share consequence, or one on the confidence of your customers in being able to actually rely on you being able to provide product. So it really gets back to thinking through how do we prioritize that effort and then what's the right mitigation strategy to follow? There are three ways that one can mitigate risk. Uh, there is not one answer for uh, every risk for each company, but those three areas center around the one that most people would think about, like in an IT environment where you have redundant data centers, supply chains can have redundant assets. 
So not having all of your high-profitability products in one facility or all of your very high-profitable products sourced from one supplier. The second area is contingency, which is a proactive way to think about how supply chains could break, how they may break for very high-prioritized risk, and to develop a contingency plan with the training of the employees to go after that risk prior to the event actually occurring. Again, once it was prioritized as something significant, the company wants to go after. And so we have redundancy, we have contingency, and then the third is the one that you offered, which is often very effective if done correctly, and that is adjusting policies. Policies around single source of products, policies around using only one carrier for a very high-valued product. So there are just different ways to do it, and one just has to look at the prioritized list and then be able to decide what is the cost-effective mitigation strategy to be applied to that particular situation. Now, uh, Rich, this is a very, very juicy answer that you gave to the question, and that, that has a lot of meat in it. Now, Dan, coming back to you, while what, what Rich spoke about is across the organization, and it depends based on what the patterns they will see, but would you say that is there truly a pattern that uh, an organization, one company at a time, one corporation at a time, can identify with respect to the type of risks it's going to uh, be we facing and then start creating intervention strategies or they will just be rolling the dice or the world will be rolling the dice for them? Uh, no, I, I think it's very, very possible for a company to, to get a, a very firm understanding uh, of what risks they're going to face. And in fact, you know, that's really kind of the core of where you need to start when you're developing a supply chain security program. It, it needs to be, you know, what is the likelihood of an event occurring? That event can be Assess that event can be a natural disaster. That event can be, uh, you know, political unrest that may change uh, regulations in their industry. Um, and, and, and there's no there's no lack of historical data on a lot of these things for companies to understand. Okay, we know there is a small likelihood of this occurring, or we know there's a large likelihood of this occurring. Um, and then you have to factor that in with what are the impacts if it does occur. Um, if if there's a, a medium you know, likelihood of something occurring and the impact is low, okay, maybe that's not a huge priority and there are other things we should prioritize first. You know, but if there's a high likelihood of an event and it's a huge impact on the company, then we have our obvious place to start. You know, let's hit those those really high targets, make sure we get those short up as quickly as possible. And then once those are in place and we have those mitigation, you know, policies and procedures uh, redundancies, as Rich mentioned, Rich mentioned before, you know, once all that is in place for these, you know, these high-level type issues, then we can get on to the smaller things with maybe a lower probability or a lower impact. Um, there's no lack of historical data, and, and companies know this. You know, even looking at it just from a theft perspective, they know if their product has a high, you know, value on the black market. They know if they're going to be targeted by, you know, theft gangs. The same with natural disasters. They know if it's an area from the hurricanes or tornadoes or whatever the case may be. Um, so understanding that is, is not necessarily a, a difficult thing, but as we mentioned before, it does take effort. It does take time, um, and that's really the key is for companies to realize that it can be done and not to feel overwhelmed by the amount of work that might lay before them. All right, let's take a quick break. When we will be back, uh, Rich will ask the question with respect to the organizations which are global. So we have global customer base. We have got global organizations. We've got global supply chains. 
So you truly are not an entity which is in one cozy corner doing your little thing. You are connected to the rest of the world and you're externally connected. When you are living and uh, running your business in such an environment, what complexities, what incremental complexities start getting introduced and what do you do to handle them? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. All right. So welcome back. Uh, so, Rich, when it comes to global organizations, global customer base who have their own uh, varied tastes and fancies and then uh, and expectations and as well as you've got global supply chains, it's not going to get any easier. So what is that silver bullet that you propose? And if you say it depends, then it doesn't get us the, the right answer. But what are the, some of the right things organizations can do to ensure that the security, we, we take a proactive approach towards security in this global environment? That, that's a great question. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, supply chains are more and more global uh, year over year. The thing to recognize is that very few companies manage their supply chain end-to-end, meaning that they go from raw material all the way to finished goods being delivered to end consumer. The, the realities of supply chains are they're, they're highly interactive and they are very interconnected as it relates to the operation. You know, the purpose of the supply chain is to be able to fill the mission of the company, which is to satisfy customers' orders. And you may be a manufacturer, you may be a distributor, you may be a supplier, but you have companies that you work with to buy the products that you need to actually do the value-added processes that you uh, do for your products. And then you may have companies you rely on to actually help you deliver those products, uh, whether you're in e-commerce or any other form of business. So these interconnections are a vital part of an efficient operating supply chain. But because we are more global and continuing to grow more global over time, the complexities are there and there are more moving parts. And therefore, we have higher levels of potential for disruptions or the supply chain breaking, essentially. The, the thing to first be able to become effective in uh, handling that ongoing complexity 
is for a company to be able to create what we would call a common language in order to speak about risk. Think about it this way. If, in fact, an event actually occurred for your company and you had not spent time really thinking through what you would want to do and what what the right mitigation policy or strategy would be, then what happens? You're in a, a state of uh, not chaos, but certainly a high-prioritized, get-it-done-get-it-fixed state of mind. That's not the time to start being able to get people on the same page as to what they should do and how they should approach the risk. So if you can be proactive in just getting a cross-functional discussion with regard to what is risk for your company as far as it relates to the supply chain, and be sure that you have a way to effectively communicate. That is a huge hurdle for companies to be uh, in a much better position to handle a supply chain risk. With that common language, then one, as Dan said, could start to look at the prioritization of what risk could hurt the most. And with that being the case, and you have you and you may measure that by financial loss. You may measure that by loss of uh, market share. There are a number of ways that one might prioritize the risk that you're going after. Then what you want to do is determine what is the cost-effective way to be able to address the risk. And for our customers, what we find is that a vast majority of mitigation strategies can be developed around just changing policy. And, you know, you may need redundancy in certain cases. You may need contingency in certain cases. But oftentimes you can say, we're going to start working with our suppliers to be able to address this specific risk. And the supplier may or may not be exactly aware of why you're doing it. But ultimately, when you're done with the with your mitigation strategies within your company, the very proactive companies will also take a, a proactive effort to work with their suppliers to ensure their suppliers are also thinking about risk mitigation. The the world is getting more complex. It will only become more complicated. And those that do this are going to be able to, uh, you know, win. And those that do not have a very high likelihood of having significant problems. Now, Dan, in in your world, as you have spoken as part of you writing the book and otherwise in your current role, how much of the security-related evangelism is truly lip service versus organizations really putting money where their mouth is and actually ready to sponsor such efforts because security has never been the favorite blue-eyed child for the management. They always say that as a cost and they never see it as cost of doing business. So where do we stand with the supply chain security? Um, it, it, it's, it's very much in flux right now. It, it's one of those things that, as Rich mentioned earlier, um, it's not the most well-known uh, of issues out there that companies need to deal with. A lot of companies perceive that we don't have a problem, therefore we don't need to be, you know, proactive in, in managing this, you know, before a problem presents itself. Um, but in some cases and in some sectors, uh, they're very, very proactive. The pharmaceutical industry is a great example of very much leaning forward, trying to ensure that their supply chains are shored up, uh, you know, from from – from supplier, you know, original suppliers all the way to, through to the customer, um, you know, for a number of reasons. Obviously, patient safety is a large reason. Obviously, you know, monetary loss is another reason. Uh, government uh, regulation and controls is another reason. So, so in some sectors, um, you know, we, we see them being very proactive. They're, 
you know, establishing control centers and, and implementing technologies that really help them get visibility on the supply chain, um, you know, throughout the globe. Um, you know, kind of going back to the, the concept of, you know, complex supply chains, um, you know, one of the things that we see uh, result of that is, is ambiguity in the supply chain. You know, for, for certain nodes, you might be, you know, very certain of who has the cargo, what's being done at that time, but then you enter into these, these, these points of ambiguity where you may not be necessarily all that certain exactly what is happening, you know, with the cargo at that time, and that's where things can go wrong and go wrong very quickly. Uh, and again, going back to what Rich said, that's where you really need to focus, you know, those contingency plans to ensure if something goes wrong, we have a backup plan to handle it. And then, as I mentioned before, those are also those places where, you know, maybe that's the time to, to go have a, a, a regional, you know, regional manager or someone from the corporate office go out and have a look and see what's going on to kind of take that ambiguity, sort up, and know what's being done. Um, so that, that's really kind of the, the short version, but back to your original question of, you know, where do we stand in supply chain? It, it really varies from sector to sector. Uh, the electronic sector is, is very, very forward-looking. They, they've done a really great job of showing their supply chain. Uh, the pharmaceutical is another industry that has done really well in this, this regard. Um, you know, the food sector to a degree as well. Uh, but in other sectors, you know, not so much. They, they don't have a lot of losses. Um, their supply chains are relatively robust in terms of supplier volume. And so they, they don't see supply chain security from a, you know, from an actual security loss prevention, you know, terrorism type standpoint as being a huge priority other than what's required of them for import export purposes. So, Based on, uh, Dan, what you just mentioned, Rich, do you think then this problem is not truly a pandemic uh, or a pervasive problem? It is more in, in isolated pockets where when they are not aware and or they don't feel the pain as much, that's when the risk gets introduced? Or are we grossly undermining what the problems are? Maybe we have to have a wake-up call with some actual statistics about the level and the magnitude of losses that they could incur in the event that they don't become proactive with the supply chain security? Um, I think there's very much uh, understated with regard to the conversation at the board level. I believe that it is growing, the awareness is growing, but in our view, the, the way the conversation gains priority is going back to financial impact. As an example, uh, the volcanic disruption that occurred and uh, all of the uh, airline freight going from between Europe and North America being disrupted for weeks. That cost IATA airline $200 million a day. It's a significant amount of money. And that, that the reality of it is that every supply chain has an opportunity to be disrupted. You can't boil the ocean. You're not going after everything. You just have to be smart. You also have to recognize the world is changing. And so doing it, you know, as Dan said, going out and, and uh, looking at your suppliers, concentrating on suppliers that if something was happened, you know, financial failure on their part, which we had a big issue with uh, just recently, or just looking at the quality issues or the uh, environmental issues, the labor, child labor issues, all the things that one can declare to be a problem for the supply chain. That's exactly the right thing to do. However, it has to be an ongoing priority for the business because as, as you enter new markets, as you change suppliers, as suppliers change their internal operations, one has to be diligent to be able to 
think through what are the current sets of risks that you want to go after and how can you cost-effectively mitigate those. So I do believe it is definitely not as prioritized as it should be, but I believe that companies are beginning to realize they, it's an absolute must-do to play in the game. So, Dan, do you think these risks are latent or would you say they're obvious or, or the, the reason I'm asking this question is, is there something that can be done by looking at patterns, looking at information, and that's where the IT and the IT leadership and the, the business users could come together, do some, some analytics, and then figure out where this is going or everything is done on the surface because you are talking about real packages and, and, and losses when there are like five packages missing out of 200? No, I, I think there's, there's plenty of, of opportunities to be, for this to be done kind of at the analytical level uh, to see, you know, trends and, and disruption, trends and losses uh, and, and other issues that can confront a supply chain. You know, another good example is, uh, things like CTPAT certifications and, and how quickly, you know, a company can lose their certification because one supplier wasn't following the right, you know, policy and procedure and therefore the whole company loses certification and that, you know, slows their, you know, import process exponentially. Uh, there's plenty of opportunities for that. Um, I, I really think it almost comes back to some, some kind of psychology uh, concept that, the, as Rich mentioned, at the board level and believing, will this happen to us? And I think that's really what it comes down to is, you know, you can look at the statistics, you can look at the trends, um, but if at, if at the board level or the decision-making level, if they truly believe, well, I see this happening, but I don't believe it will happen to us, um, then, then it's just not going to get anywhere. And so understanding that it might not happen to you, and you may be right, however, if it does, these are the downstream impacts. It's almost kind of like buying insurance. You know, you don't think you're going to get in a car wreck, but if you do, you need the, you need the insurance, you know, to, to help you out. It's the, same, it's the same kind of thing when it comes to supply chain security. You can believe it will happen to you, and that's fine, and obviously you put everything you can into your supply chain from a management perspective, from an efficiency perspective, from a security perspective to ensure that it doesn't happen to you, but you can't control everything. And so getting the board to understand not only it can happen, but if it does, or better yet, when it does, this is going to be the impact. That's when, you know, the additional cost of security program uh, might become a little bit more tolerable and obviously get things moving forward in terms of, okay, we need to do this because we don't want to suffer the impact of an event occurring. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Rich, how about us exploring, assuming a, a scenario where, say, the business understands that, yes, this is going to be a problem, and I'm not just buying insurance. It's essentially going to be mission critical. So you get the sponsorship. Now you've got the dollars available. And now we have to really change the people, process, and technology landscape in order to build a secure supply chain. What could be some of the initial steps and what would be the governance that we would need to put in place and who all would be the parties, which all parties would have to work together in order to make this a success. Let's explore this when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. All right. So, uh, Rich, just to set the stage, good business sponsorship available, people, process, and technology is being reviewed, and right measures need to be taken in order for us to build a secure global supply chain. What would be the first set of steps? Where do you get started? Where you start is you ensure that it is a corporate priority, not a particular functional group priority. So, truthfully, it involves a significant uh, amount of interaction with IT, with sales, with finance, with operations and supply chain. Um, and once that uh, team has been assembled and the senior sponsorship of being able to proactively address supply chain risk and risk mitigation uh, becomes a priority for the company that is reinforced through that senior sponsorship, then you've really got the right environment to, to go after the problem. Um, the thing that is most important about mitigating risk is you do not want the strategies that are being developed, at least in our view, to be developed on opinion. In other words, we believe we're vulnerable here. We believe this might be the case. What you want to be able to do is repurpose the data that you've already, uh, that you receive on all the transactions that you have in operating your, your environment. And, you know, people have made tremendous investments in ERP systems, point of sale systems, uh, transportation, warehousing from a supply chain perspective. But there's a, every company has a, uh, IT infrastructure that they're using to actually operate their supply chain. What supply chains are motivated to do, of course, is to be able to be sure the products are where they need to be to satisfy customer orders. And uh, there's a very pervasive view, of, which is very appropriate, that the costs to be able to run that operation are as low as possible because you are doing it as efficiently as you can. So data today from all of those systems really focuses on cost containment, and being able to be efficient. What we try to get people to think about is how can I repurpose the data that I have from all of the transactions running the operation to actually use it to measure supply chain risk. So if I've identified, as an example, that were my one of my large risk centers around single source suppliers for very high profitable SKUs, then what I want to be able to do is to measure the impact that what would happen if, in fact, that product was no longer available. So if you can tie it back to the data you already have, 
and to be able to do that in a way to, again, measure it uh, from a financial perspective as far as the consequence of the risk, that really gives a lot of momentum to the process and, and the ability for people to realize that not only is that something they need to focus on, but as they implement the strategies to mitigate that risk, and i.e., I'm going to do a, a dual sourcing of supplier, I'm going to make this change in going over the North Atlantic lanes for uh, traffic, whatever the mitigation strategy is, by repurposing the data, you can actually measure the performance of the strategy. And that's really where it gets fact-based. And that's what you want it to be, is a fact-based discovery process, a facts around the actual mitigations for that risk, so that you can have a, uh, an appropriate way to handle it. And you want to measure how well that strategy is working in order to actually mitigate the things that you're concerned with. Dan, when you look at all the implementation of technology and processes and the people being deployed, how do you rate them? How do you rate them? Yeah, in terms of the kind of effort that has been put in. One is that, yes, you wanted to really make a change, but then the investment and even when the dollars were available, are people having the leadership as well as folks at the level who are doing the job, do they have the required capability? Is technology being utilized and or processes have been truly streamlined for best effect? So, so essentially where the gaps are in your view, even though when people are putting in the effort, where are they, you know, missing the boat? Sure. I, I think one of the things that we see very commonly are implementations at, at a very tactical level. We'll see, um, a, a company develop a, a need or an issue on, on a, just maybe a particular lane, you know, point A to point B. Um, and so they'll implement a, a policy for that lane to mitigate that particular concern. Uh, and that's it. And they get, they kind of stop there. And so I think what we, what we see very commonly are companies trying to piecemeal, uh, a, a supply chain security program kind of one segment at a time. And, and then what happens is you have this kind of this jumbled mess of, of different policies, procedures, that were applied to a bunch of different specific scenarios as opposed to starting from the top down. Uh, and that's one of the things I, I really appreciate about what Rich said was a lot of this information, a lot of this data, you already have available to you. Um, it, it's not necessarily looked at through the lens of supply chain security, but it's already there. And it's just a matter of repurposing it for, you know, what, what you need to develop a some kind of overarching system uh, that will allow you to shore up your supply chain. Uh, and, and one of the other things I, I wanted to add in with that was I think a lot of people outside of the security industry, when you start talking about policies, procedures, and supply chain security, I think a lot of times the initial reaction is kind of this cloud of, of, of additional requirements, of additional work, uh, of slowdowns and efficiency. Um, and one of the things that I argue uh, anytime I kind of come across that that sentiment, and I also discuss in my book, it is the exact opposite. Um, I truly feel by going through the process that Rich described uh, just a few moments ago, and, and then applying that to a policy that then that then enacts change in your supply chain. By doing that and, and mitigating these issues and creating these redundancies and all these different factors and using the technology that's available to you and whatever other technologies you may invest in in this process, eliminating those vulnerabilities actually will increase your efficiency. It, 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 it takes away ambiguity. It allows you to make better business decisions, 
because you have substantially greater visibility on your supply chain. You know where your cargo is. You know where your suppliers are located. You know what's going on in your supply chain. Therefore, you can make it leaner. You can make it faster. And it prevents these issues from occurring, which obviously a loss or a natural disaster or whatever the case may be that halts your supply chain, you know, is, is the worst thing that can happen. And so by putting these policies in place and putting them in place effectively, you increase the efficiency of supply chain. You don't detract from it. Now, what we just mentioned here, are we, and this is for you, Rich, do you think the metrics that we, we should have, is there some standardization or every company makes its own and then across the value chain or the supply chain, every individual link is doing their own thing and that's where the disconnect could be? It's a, it's a great question. Uh, there are uh, standards, ISO standards associated with various um, elements of supply chain risk. Certainly, it falls under the, the overall umbrella of business continuity, um, and uh, people are addressing that from, at, for this audience, as they well know, the IT infrastructure, the IT continuity. There are many ISO standards across the various points of discussion from, uh, for this uh, discussion. But the reality of it is, is that there is not yet a complete standard as it relates to supply chain disruption, supply chain risk. And mitigation that is actually underway. We are participating in a standards um, development effort uh, as we speak. Basically, it's going to take a little while to get it done, but it's centering around ways for people to have a reference guide for supply chain risk management. Um, so, to be very specific to your question, uh, we believe that that's a, a great way to start to share uh, common knowledge and and the ability to cross-pollinate thinking around risk. But in our view, the, the way that one really has to set metrics up to measure risk are going to be dependent on the risk of that particular company. Think Because what you want to do is you're not developing a metric on the risk. You're developing a metric on the mitigation strategy for the risk. Because you want to measure the performance of that strategy as it relates to mitigating the risk. So that really is dependent on how the company has decided to prioritize the resources. Are we going to do redundant, uh, have a redundancy uh, in this particular issue? Are we going to just define contingencies that if it really occurs, we know exactly what to do? Or are we just changing policy? But even changing policies, you can, again, repurpose that transactional data to see if the policy is working. So the metrics really have to be defined based on the, uh, the answer to those questions within the company. But to your point, it's, it's, it's a great thought because what you also want to do is you want to use those metrics to not only drive the behavior within your own organization, you want it to drive the behavior of all those companies we talked about that are connected to your organization. So you may well decide that you're going to measure supply chain performance as it relates to risk, on your suppliers and and literally, uh, again, be able to say to them, we need you to do these things. And they may think, just to Dan's point, this is really just being driven for cost efficiency. Uh, it may be because of, you know, some other logical business reason. But what you're really doing is you're saying that's all true, to Dan's point, but I'm also effectively mitigating risk 
as it relates to things that I've decided are a high priority for my organization. Let's take a quick break. And Dan, when we come back, I'd like to have you sit in a supply chain leader's uh, seat and take uh, an objective look at how IT is serving your needs if you were to handle supply chain performance as well as supply chain security. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. So, Dan, again... Um, sit in a, like a supply chain leadership seat and say, I want to make this very, very optimized, supply chain optimized, and also I want to keep it very secured. You got constituents on the other end, which could be the IT leader and the security leader who could very well be the IT security leader as well, information security leader. What are your expectations and where do you feel they don't meet those? Um, I think in the ideal scenario, you know, what a supply chain leader would like to have is the ability for for IT and, and their department to, you know, co- collect, collate, analyze, uh, and report on data from from a supplier base and from your own internal processes, looking at things like such as delivery times, turnaround times on, on, on cargo in facilities. You know, particularly in areas where you don't have control, you know, maybe be at, at a vendor location or at some sort of, you know, cross-functional node where your parts are being collected, assembled, um, and then redistributed out. Um, th- those are the types of areas where a supply chain leader uh, just isn't going to have that kind of visibility just from a day-to-day perspective. Um, but that is something that will be collected through data, whether, you know, through, you know, shipping, bill lading, um, you know, Money changing hands in terms of you know parts being bought and sold, uh, transportation providers being you know contracted and used, uh, deliveries being confirmed, all those types of, of data pieces are all collected, and that is where you can identify those inefficiencies in the supply chain that the supply chain manager can then step in and say, okay, these are the adjustments we need to make to make our supply chain faster. Um, it'll make it leaner. It will obviously reduce cost because you're taking out this, this, this extra time where cargo is just sitting and not being moved efficiently. 
And then the downstream effect of that, coupled with what we've already discussed, you know, in this segment, um, is that it makes it more secure in the long run. Um, does that happen in reality? I think to some degree it does. Um, but I don't think it does to the extent that supply chain managers are really getting a good global look at their supply chain from, you know, the very first, uh, you know, raw materials provider all the way until it gets to the customer. I tend they, I think they tend to start with their organization and kind of expand out and concentric circles, you know, seeing those vendors at work maybe directly with the supplier or, excuse me, with the company. Uh, but look at those second, you know, the second tier, third tier, you know, downstream providers or moving back to the delivery point on the other side of the supply chain. I think that's where um, they may not be able to get those analytics done or may not just be no to ask for them. Um, so it can be done. It is being done. I just think it's being done to the extent to truly maximize the IT perspective on the supply chain program. Now, Rich, do you think what just Dan mentioned, is that because there is a lack of alignment at the top or lack of adoption at the bottom? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I also think that just the recognition that Dan, you know, very accurately described the need is something that needs to be a priority for the group. Uh, the reality of it, though, is that with the traditional IT infrastructures that companies have invested in, even if they're uh, you know new new investments or legacy systems, connecting that data has been traditionally very difficult. Uh, however, uh, you know Competitive Insights, uh, our company, has been focused on that for over eight years, and cloud computing provides the capability to really connect that data and use it in ways Dan just described to provide visibility. Because truthfully, everything we're discussing here has to be in a meaningful format that the various people that are involved with the mitigation can see and understand and feel that it is an accurate representation of that supplier or that carrier that Dan mentioned, or, you know, whatever it is that the area of focus is centered on. So being able to have accurate information from all of those players, from various systems, from your suppliers and others, is absolutely a vital role for IT to play. And I believe with new technology, it can be done and done efficiently. With the global policies that we have, like, of course, you both are in the United States and, and, of course, have worked with a number of global organizations. Do you see that the world wants to come together or are we the only proponents of making it the sexiest supply chain available as well as secure? Dan? Uh, no, I, I think there is a, a, a more and more you know, global approach to, to wanting this to come together and mesh well. Um, I think, you know, both from a supplier perspective and from, you know, the multinational corporation perspective, I think companies are really starting uh, to understand that an efficient supply chain, a secure supply chain, is in everyone's best interest. You know, if a the raw material provider is unable to get their product to, you know, to their customer, uh, the customer is likely to move on to somebody else. You know, and that obviously doesn't serve either well because, one has delays and the other loses, you know, a large client. Um, from a security standpoint, you know, no one wants to be uh, the, the company that allows, you know, a weapon smuggling incident to occur or something to that effect. You know, no one wants their company name associated with that. And they realize that 
includes, you know, reaching far beyond the country, the region they operate. It includes their entire supply chain. Um, and so we are seeing companies becoming more and more willing to, to open up their books and open up their policies um, to their other business partners that they deal with, whether it be a supplier-vendor relationship or just kind of a partnership relationship. Um, but, but in today's society, in today's, you know, you know market of, of trying to trying to move goods in a more secure fashion, you know, for all the reasons we've discussed today, uh, we do see companies becoming more and more willing to, to kind of play ball with each other. Uh, I, yeah, go ahead, Rich. I was just going to add to that. Uh, as you mentioned in the beginning of, of the conversation, I'm actually at the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals Global Conference today. There's 3,000 people here, and in within that domain of, of individuals, there are 22 countries that are represented uh, at this conference. So the reason they're here is to be able to advance education and the network and the associated relationships in managing supply chains. The reason I, that that's so important is, you know, the bottom line on the whole topic is that companies are in, you know, in place to make money. And if, in fact, supply chain disruptions occur and things uh, uh, not allow them not to service their customers' needs, then they don't make money. So global supply chains, uh, is, as far as the, the, the point of is it just something more domestic or is it something that people are trying to do uh, in, in all parts of the world, it's absolutely all parts of the world, and that's in two different ways. One, because many, many supply chains are global. And an effect of a economic uh, meltdown in Europe, it affects many companies. Uh, so being able to think about what it means for your company, but also I think a lot of countries recognize that it is a global market. They have to be able to address this correctly, and it's just a part of being able to do business. On behalf of our show and the listeners, I'd like to really thank you, Dan and Rich, for sharing your thoughts. It seems like that global supply chain, of course, is a reality and it's going to get more complex going forward. However, we have to first build awareness around how important it is to make it secure and secondly, take some actionable steps or identify and then uh, act on those steps which will be needed in order for us to secure or have a secure global supply Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, thanks again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. If you have any questions, uh, send us to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. This is Sanjog, all your talk show hosts. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.